0: What is up my friends? Welcome back to the podcast. This is your host Melissa and you're listening to Mimosa Sisterhood where we pop bottles and tell stories about the world's most badass motherfucking women. I am over the moon about today's episode. We cover some really remarkable Mexican women in celebration of Mexican Independence Day, which is today and i'm blown away i am so blown away we cover one woman from the 17th century so really throwing it back in history but we also cover a 26 year old woman who is making insane history today Like, I'm telling you right now, if you are one of those people that turns off a podcast after 30 minutes because you can't seem to invest the time to finish it, if you're one of those people, then just fast forward to the second part of this episode so that you can hear this story. It is absolutely phenomenal. I am just literally drop dead over the moon. And I have no one other than the absolutely amazing Andy Dominguez, who is my co host today, who introduced me to her. And she does a fantastic job telling this woman's story. And you owe it to yourself to hear this. I'm gonna keep this intro short today because you have so much to look forward to. But before we get into it, I just wanna do a couple reminders. We still have merchandise available on the pod shop. We've got some hats, some shirts, a couple of different drinkware items. But the most exciting part is that merchandise round two is about to drop in October. I am super excited about this. I've got a really awesome design coming through that I'm going to print on some t-shirts. So y'all better get that paycheck ready because you're going to want to wear this on your body. So yeah, very excited about that. Stay tuned for that. And I have another really cool feature that I just launched, which is a super cool way to get you guys more involved with the actual podcast. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I drink an abundance of booze while I record anything from wine to beer to cocktails to mimosas, all of the things. And now you have the opportunity to uh, decide what I drink on the show. Do you have like a favorite beer or a favorite wine that you want to recommend me to drink? Or do you have a really awesome cocktail concoction that you think I should try and review on the show? Well, I now have a feature where you can buy me a cocktail, buy me a beer, buy me a wine, buy me a mimosa. Let me know what it is that you want me to drink. I will buy it. I will drink it on the show, and I'll give you a shout out on the podcast, and it will be cool as fuck. So if you're interested in that, check it out. It's linked in the episode and on my Instagram page, and I'm so excited to see what you guys pick, but I also pray to God that nobody picks anything that's tequila related because I have PTSD from college. Alright, that's it for me today. Let's dive in, grab your alcoholic beverage, and get ready to par-tay. We have so much fucking shit to discuss in today's episode.
1: Hello, Andy. Welcome back Andy. to the pod. How's it going? Good. I'm so happy to be back. You know Fuck I love this. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> I love it. I'm so happy you're back and yes. today we're doing a awesome themed episode.
1: Yes.
0: And it's going to be fucking fire, so everybody out there get ready, fasten your seatbelts. It's about to be good.
1: There's might be a warning that I may cry. I've just been so emotional lately. <laughs> It's okay. We welcome tears. I sobbed the entire time I was doing research, and then I was like, let me go back and rewatch this thing, and I was, like, crying, and I was like, I just saw this way. Am I crying? I
0: cry all the time when I'm doing my notes. Great, I okay. shed a tear. <laughs> it's powerful. Yeah, I was like, I'm extra sensitive lately, like – Okay, okay, exactly. And I just need everybody out there listening to know, Andy and I have 3,000 things we need to discuss and yes. none of it's getting edited. So <laughs> if you have an issue with that, fast the fuck forward because we got some fucking shit to discuss in this episode.
1: I say tune
0: in. This is interesting <laughs> shit.
1: <laughs> God, where do we begin?
0: <laughs> okay. I Well, I know where we're going to begin. We're going to begin with how the hell was your trip to Iceland?
1: Oh my gosh. It was magic. So you know like I had all these expectations at the end a lot of shit went unplanned and I, it was still fantastic. What a beautiful country. I I cried watching a waterfall. <laughs> it was a great waterfall and I'm like and I wasn't even in my itinerary at first. So I ended up going out of last minute changes and I'm like there I'm like I'm so lucky to be alive right now. (laughs) And I cry. Like, great, fantastic country. Like, aside from the shitty weather, because it was summer and it was still very, very cold. Um, so many things happen. One of the tours that I booked, which was snorkeling Silfra, which is a tectonic plates. So you're technically snorkeling between two continents because it's two different tectonic plates. And it's freezing cold water. And I was like, this is a cool, like, how many people can say they did this? So I booked that and it's like, meet at the spot. And I didn't have a car or anything. So all my other tours, I was getting picked up in front of my hostel. Yeah. So I was like, fuck, I guess I'll rent a car. So I ended up renting a car and driving by myself.
0: Wait, what side was the steering wheel
1: on? Normal side. Okay, okay. a normal American (laughs) side. I will tell you, Melissa. At first, I was so petrified. I was steering, like holding the steering wheel and clenching my butthole. I was like, "Oh my god!" After five minutes, I was like, "Bitch, this is easier than New Jersey. Like, so much easier than New Jersey. Like, anybody that's driven in upstate New York or New Jersey, this is." Piece of cake. So I had my little car. I was making sure I was going the speed limit and it was very freeing. I felt very empowered. I would stop places because obviously I gave myself all of the time in the world to get to where I needed to be. I did the snorkeling thing. Um, I nearly had an anxiety attack. I think all of us did because they give you a dry suit, which is not a wetsuit first that? they give you like a spacesuit kind of thing like very comfortable warm and I was like this is great and I was like and they're like fantastic now squeeze into this latex thing that squeezes you in like people need to put you into it and they're like squeezing in it's like tight in my neck and I don't like anything touching my neck a turtleneck <laughs> torture chamber like I don't wear turtlenecks because of that like I and I'm like kh, kh. and I'm like why and then we had to walk like a mile to get to where we needed to go snorkeling we're wearing our fins a mask is was like tied on my face my <laughs> lip I'm just <laughs> like because we we're going a whole cap the only thing that really like touched the water was my lips was it cold as shit did they turn like purple it was near freezing temperature at the beginning I was like this is painful and after that after they go numb what what was going on with your feet did you have like shoes on yeah so they give you like the 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 dry suit has like feet coverings. Oh, okay. Here's the problem: I have tits and <laughs> a, a stomach, and I am I'm a short person with teeny tiny feet, but enlarged body parts. Oh. So therefore, they first gave me a body suit. It was like my butt, my blue. like this is not fitting me. I was like, take it back. And so I gave me a larger one, and then. The shoes on the dry suit do have sort of like a sole, but they still give you fins so you can move. So then they had to give me extra large fins. So my tiny little feet were halfway through the oh bodysuit. Yeah, to the dry suit feet. So like I was like flopping around. So when they're like, just kick your feet, I felt like I wasn't kicking anything because. My tiny feet were just not really doing their job. So I started using my hands and they're like, don't use your arms because you're going to get wet. I'm like, oh, fuck it, bro. I'm just like, it's 15 minutes. It wasn't like that long. I ended up getting soaked underneath the dry suit. I was oh the only gosh. one. But the clearest waters, the clearest waters, delicious because it's spring natural water. So yeah. It was like so Can you just drink it? Can you just be like gulping? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> were there Fish animals? Was there like marine life? No, there really wasn't any marine life. It was just really just rocks and crystal clear waters. And it was like a really quick river, like around, and you sort of going with the flow. But it's just stunning. So, what was the other continent that you were swimming between? So, it's Eurasia and America. So, it's two tectonic plates. Because ah. at first I was like looking at the map, I was like, mm, they're lying to us. There's no other continent, it's an island. <laughs> You're a liar. You stole my money. No, but it's not technically two actual continents. And they're tectonic plates that have been, like, separating. And they separate every so little. Um, they told us, like, uh, terrible retaining information here. <laughs> but they, like, separate every little bit. And so you've got, like, your um, American tectonic plate. And you've got your Eurasian tectonic plate. And that's the national park where you've got all the tectonic plates there. And so you can do, like, a little quick snorkel. And I thought... I can tell people I did this. Like, this is insane. Yeah, like, it's, that's so cool. The suit itself made me not want to do it, but I was like, yeah. just fucking bear with it. Breathe through your nose, out your mouth, like, just meditate until you get into the water. Once you're in the water, you become a bubble. You're a bubble and you just float. <laughs> you can't even drown, even if you stop, just kind of sit there. You're just like a big bubble and then you just float. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was great. It was great. So cool. So beautiful. And they took, like, a couple of, like, GoPro photos of me. And it was incredible. And after that, I had the car for the rest of the day. So someone's like, go explore. So that's when I went to go see all these other things that I kind of didn't have planned because of my budget Mm -hmm. of like, tours so when I did it on my own most of it was free and it was that's when I was like crying and I was like "This yeah is beautiful. <laughs> that is so fun it was so fun that I ended up renting a car two days later to go to the blue lagoon that was cool the worst weather so I'm like getting pounded by freezing cold rain in my head when I'm holding my beer I'm like yay the blue lagoon <laughs> what is the blue lagoon is that where people go in the water like a hot spring Yes, so it's not actually a like natural hot spring. There are natural hot springs around the like ones that smell like eggs. All of Ugh. Iceland's – by the way, all of Iceland smells like eggs. So you get used to it. <laughs> are you all serious? Yes, yeah, so, which is great because when you're in hostile bathrooms and you're like, great, I'll do my business, nobody will know. Is it the showers or is it me? No, you oh do know. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait,
0: <laughs> so why does it smell like eggs? Isn't the, the eggs sulfur. smell sulfur? Okay. Sulfur so in what, the is water. Is the whole island just like sulfur?
1: Yes, it's it's like all volcanic, like rocks Whoa. and sulfur. Yeah, it's a very interesting country. So small. Basically, all of the middle of Iceland is in, inhabitable. Is that what the word Yeah, Nobody Sounds lives there. right. It's just all volcanic rock. And so you've got Reykjavik, which is your main city, and the majority of the, the people live. And then... Just tiny fishing villages all the way around there. And you can drive for miles and there's nothing. Nothing, Melissa. Not not a bathroom. not a ro- Nothing. It's just rocks. Because you can't build on it. Yeah. So there's more sheep than people. So <laughs> <laughs> they have great lamb soup because there's lamb to spare. Oh, my God. Do they have, like, polar bears or any, like, wild fucking no. animals like that? So, no. They don't have polar bears. They have puffins a little... Oh, penguins are so cute. I didn't see any. Yeah, they're like so
0: weird. I've seen them Pelican the zoo. penguins,
1: yeah. They have like a so, weird
0: smile, don't they? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I know about puffins? Leave what? it to me to have animal facts. The puffins are one of the few handful of animals that
1: mate for life. So Be like they, like, they found a wife. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Penguins are romantic. Yeah, <laughs> penguins are romantic <laughs> as hell. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't get to see any puffins because I didn't go into, like out exploring it. I don't think it was season. But they do have these horses, and they're Viking horses. And when <gasps> the Vikings came over to Iceland, they brought these horses. And then after they haven't allowed by law, they can't. You cannot bring any other kind of horse breed into the island. So you have these gorgeous wild horses they're a little bit shorter and stubbier and they're just there were so many of them they're beautiful viking horses that's so i'm so fascinated by viking life
0: i mean i know there was raping and pillaging and it's horrible yes. and like i'm not glorifying or rant- romanticizing but any it's of that. so interesting the history is fucking wild
1: Yes. That's the I think that's like the one class in my western history class. I was like, "Tell me more, professor. Oh my god. I can't get enough Viking info." Mm-hmm.
0: Did you just hear
1: in the news how they
0: found in England a coffin in the pond of a golf course what that the contained fuck? the remains of a 4,000-year-old man who also had a axe in there with him, which typically when people are buried with a weapon it's cuz they were like a warrior of some right. type and this weapon they said looks like it was made yesterday it's been preserved for 4000 years in this coffin and it's made of some kind of material that would make us assume that this person was like of some royalty of sorts okay. yeah 4000 year old skeleton at the bottom of a golf course pond yeah I was like
1: he ended up on a pa- <laughs> a pasty ass golf course <laughs> how wild is that I know he's probably so bummed out he's like really here <laughs> This is where I end up. <laughs> oh, my oh God. My God. Um, is that crazy? Yeah, but I- Iceland's a very cool country. If you so like cool. nature, adventure, the water, like, you cannot get enough of waterfalls. They're all different. Because someone's like, this other waterfall is like another waterfall. They're like, no, it's different. It's great. And I'm like, you're right. It is great.
0: So were they, how were they dealing with COVID? Was it like a oh, paranoia great. meltdown out there?
1: Was it people talking about it? Like... Since they're a very small country, they can do this. So obviously, I had to be vaccinated in order to enter the country. Showed my card and everything. Then after you pick up your bag, they gave you a COVID test. They literally shoved that shit up my brain, and then and then down my throat. And she's like, oh my "Open God. up!" I'm like, "I'm sorry, what?" She goes, "Now down your throat." I'm like, "Bitch, what?" And she just went there. And I'm like gag reflex. I'm like, huh? "Oh my <laughs> <God."> <laughs> I was like, since when? So they did that to test, and they tell you to download an app, or they're like, we'll email you your results. So I checked in, my room was empty, so I showered, and I took a nap, and when I woke up, I had my results I said, you're negative, and I went out and about, no masks, no nothing. So they don't even bring it up? Like,
0: here in LA, it's – every time you walk through a door, it's kind of like, where's the – it's a whole mask deal, which I get, but I'm just curious in other countries like Iceland – is that like, are there signs? Is it like, where's your mask? Any of that kind of stuff?
1: Only public tra- transport. So like buses, they made you wear a mask, but anywhere else there was like not a mask mandate yeah. at all. Wow. And it's because every tourist needs to get checked. And yeah. obviously, if there's like, they track you. So you have everything and you come out positive, they're probably going to go grab you or <laughs> just like a yeah. They're going to hunt you down. They're going to put you in the rocks in the middle of nowhere. God. So they really have kept at a minimum the cases. And I really, beyond cases deaths are low yeah but they're very stylish i suddenly i'm like really into scandinavian fashion there's a girl with like an orange like raincoat i'm like yeah i want that so
0: cool though like i am a huge believer of solo travel everyone's got to do it like once Loved it. Great trip. 10 out of 10. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's one huge win for pandemic life.
1: Yes, absolutely. Living your life.
0: Living your life.
1: After that, um. shit got tumultuous.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but now the last couple of weeks have been insane. We had to cancel our last recording because Andy got COVID oh out my. of fucking nowhere. And now her leg's broken.
1: I broke the leg first. <laughs> oh,
0: you broke the leg first. Okay.
1: <laughs> here, here's my luck. I get back to Iceland. I start a new job. Like, I, go, I come back from Iceland. I put my two weeks. I start a new job, and I'm just kind of like, go, go, go. I'm dog-sitting here, there, and there, and there. And I'm walking one of the dogs, and I'm dog-sitting, and I eat shit in the middle of Upper West Side, New York, nobody's helping me. And I'm just sitting on the ground like, I can't get up. I couldn't get up. I was like... I followed and I can't get up. Exactly. Where's your was life like, alert? I didn't have my life <laughs> alert. I ate crap. It was in front of a restaurant. And for like five minutes, no one helped me. This angel woman finally comes around. She's like, are you okay? I was like, thank you. No, I don't think so. I think I broke my foot. She's like, should I call 911? I was like, no. I was like, I'm between jobs and insurance. No way. Also... I'm pretty sure it's, like, packed with COVID patients. I don't want to go to the fucking ER. I was like, no, 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 I think I'm fine. I just live around the corner, and she's like, what should I do? I was like... Can you help me walk to my apartment? And she just, I guess she was having dinner with her boyfriend, straight up left him. Oh. And she's like. Well, that's she's, sweet. Yeah, so sweet. She's holding the dog. She's helping me care. She's like holding my, like, I'm holding onto her shoulder and we're like limped back to the apartment. She's like, do you need anything else? I was like, no, thank you. Her boyfriend, she's like, sorry, I got to get this. He's calling me. I guess he's like, where did you go? Yeah, right? She's like, I'll be right there. Order me the lobster ravioli. <laughs> and I'm like. This angel woman, I hope that's the best lobster ravioli I know, girl. right? Like, I don't right. know who she was. Like, I didn't have my phone. I was like, I wish Aww. I could have, like, paid her. Like, yeah. angel, angel woman. I told her, Just you're an angel. good deeds. It'll come back to her. Yeah, I'm like, good things will happen to her. I hope he proposes over lobster ravioli. <laughs> like, I want nothing but the best for her. Yeah. So I was, like, in this stupid little scooter, stuck in my apartment because I have stairs. So... And after, like, week three, my mom's like, why didn't you just come here? I'm like, yeah, I, otherwise I'm going to commit murder. Like, I'm going to kill one of my roommates with my crutch. Like, I will shove <laughs> it down his throat. So I came to Florida, and literally the day that landed, a friend from New York was also here, like, four best friends from high school. She's like, we'll pick you up. We'll do wine and cheese together. The four of us are vaccinated. We went to our friend's house. Who has two kids. We just had a, a very innocent wine and cheese. The next day, she's like, I have COVID. <laughs> me and so my mom and i got covid (laughs) your mom got it my mom i thought she got tested and was negative yes and the next day she's like i feel sick i was like oh here we fucking (gasps) go so she took another test or just realized i've got it at that point i was like why are we gonna go pay for another test mom i was like we're here. Let's just quarantine together. Yeah, but she—you, she was
0: okay. I know you got through it. How'd your yeah. mom?
1: She was good. So the second that she, she's like, "I don't feel well." She's like, "Gray." I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So we started. Me and my sister started panicking, and my sister's like, "There's this thing called monoclonal antibody." Is your sister like a
0: nurse? She
1: is. Okay. <laughs>
0: I'm like, do we have a genius sister? Or like,
1: what's going on here? She's a nurse. And sometimes she's like, guys, I'm not a doctor. I'm a nurse. I was like, you know everything. Cure us. Right. Cure us, please. So she's a nurse. And my, my brother-in-law is an EMT firefighter. So they were like, there's this monoclonal thing happening in Florida. I guess since Delta Delta hits so bad here, they were offering this for free now. So I was like, I made us appointments like that day, that Saturday. And my mom was like, I don't feel well. I was like, we're going today. And it was four injections in an the arms and doing in your stomach. Dude. Yeah. This shit
0: is nuts.
1: Melissa. I'm pretty sure I glow in the dark in the nighttime. Like, it's <laughs> just so much shit in me. What
0: I find weird is we're living in this pandemic where there's different news articles being released on the motherfucking daily. I've yeah. never heard anything about this. Me either.
1: I had no idea. My mom's like, that's Trump's thing. That's what they gave Trump. I guess it was still very experimental when he got it. But uh-huh. – it's monoclonal antibody treatments not just for COVID, but like they decided like they're like realized like this helps and it helps reduce hospitalizations and death by 70%. My mom, since her, her symptoms were pretty mild when she started feeling sick, the next day she felt almost brand new. And I felt like I had a cold.
0: I've not heard of this. I've not heard of this in the news. I don't feel like no. this has been offered at like my Kaiser within my health insurance. And so... I don't know, it kind of trips me out that, like, there could be things out there that are helping people, and, like, Nobody for some talks reason, about the it. majority of the country doesn't know about it. So it's like, what the fuck is going on? How do I get this?
1: Because we did have to sign papers, and they gave us, like, a whole, like, paper afterwards. And, like, the last sentence, Mom was like, I don't feel too good about this. It's like, we're not held responsible. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Mom, they have to <laughs> yeah. say us so I will sue them. Yeah, I'm, like, I if, know. It if, was if, 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 like, if we suddenly grow tails, and you glow in the dark, and I'm, like, <laughs> transparent, like... Well, I'm so happy you're better and your mom's better. <laughs> Hopefully your foot will be better soon. I can walk with a boot now so I'm I'm a waddling places. I'm a waddling through life. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think it's time. The I think we gotta nuts, get into yeah. this. Yes, I know cuz otherwise we could keep going. I know. Oh my gosh, I love it. All right, what are you drinking? Um, I'm at my mom's house, and since I was at a two-year-old's birthday party, I had sangria there, and I also had tequila soda because I was like, <laughs> yellow. Um, I opened the fridge, and there she had an apothecary that was open. Nice. I just bought this the other day from Costco. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's, it's very sweet, but it's good. It holds up. Um, originally, when I thought I was going to do the podcast at my sister's house, I had bought um, – one called figment it's from trader joe's but the problem with that bottle is like you open it you have to finish it i know big bummer but because <laughs> it's never good the next day but i was toying between um that one and i don't know if you tried snoob dogs wine uh the crimes the nine crimes yep. yeah mm-hmm. it's so great it's, it's very so good. good yeah
0: it's very tasty is mm-hmm. that a red blend yeah. Blends, yeah 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 blends work i like red blends yeah it's great hmm maybe i can get a deal with something like nine crimes but have it be women and then we tell their story
1: that'd be so dope because they do right need now. women there's definitely right? women in jail that have stories to tell well
0: i mean it doesn't even have to be jail but it could be
1: yet, <laughs> true because snoop Dogg's not a convicted felon but no <laughs> no. no no he ain't I mean, martha stewart is <laughs> <laughs> we could put her in the bottle actually on my list of um villainesses to cover i thought of a woman that was like oh my she's evil she's an evil bitch i was like i should tell melissa and i can't remember (laughs) but i'll remember one random night evil bitch (laughs) yes okay so
0: i have a cool thing today and this wasn't the original plan i had bought a bottle of wine for our episode as well and Mm -hmm. then i i was then i got this for my birthday and i'm like oh this is perfect for our episode great so it's basically vodka but it's made with marionberry marionberry what is that i don't know what it is it looks like a blackberry oh, but it's oh, like a black vodka bottle.
1: black vodka
0: it's black vodka i've tried that and in it's spain fire yum but it tastes like wine like this tastes like red wine interesting but i'm drinking it on ice alone i'm not adding yeah. anything else to it and it's bait it is vodka, just with like these berries infused, but it tastes like wine. It does not taste like vodka. It looks like wine, like the color of it when the yeah, light hits it. It's it looks super like- dark. It looks like it's like a dark Merlot or something like that. Yeah. And I liked it because it's called Wild Roots. And yes. you and I are doing a themed episode today. On our roots, baby. About Mexican Independence Day. Yes. And we are both Mexican. So mm-hmm. I thought, what better episode to drink some wild roots when we're gonna be talking about our roots today?
1: I love it. I absolutely right? love that. The name's amazing.
0: Isn't it? So I don't know where she got this. I literally just started drinking it like right before this episode. And I need to text her and be like, where the fuck do you get this yes. from? Because I'm into this. And your this tongue is so isn't
1: black because I've tried black vodka in Spain <laughs> and all the photos we had like black tongues, all of us. But it's delicious that no. you're drinking on the rocks. It's
0: yeah, that's how yeah. I'm drinking it on the rocks. It's 70 proof, 35% alcohol. Oh my God. And it's in like a vodka bottle. It's like a fifth of vodka, basically, but it's it so literally pretty. tastes like wine. Love so that, love
1: that. And the name is great.
0: so cool. So cool. So I have to like a little bit tread lightly because I'm <laughs> drinking vodka wine today.
1: <laughs> it's okay. I've mixed all my alcohols.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going to get through my little portion and then I'm going to re-up when it's your turn.
1: <laughs> love that for you.
0: <laughs> all right, should we do it? Let's do it. All right. Well, I already told everybody today we're going to be celebrating Mexican Independence, independence. Day, which is September 16th. Which is when this episode's coming out. So Whoop. we're really killing it. But yeah. before I talk about my lady, do you why don't you tell us about Mexican Independence Day? Can you can
1: you spit some knowledge? Yes. I absolutely would love to spit some knowledge, but also reference back to the last episode that I did. Because yep. I definitely hit yep. on that. I covered the um the godmother of, of Mexican independence, Lorena Vicario. Yep. Um but yeah, it's um it's when Mexico just sort of did an uprising against the Spanish um, Miguel Hidalgo was the first one to really just like do the cry for the independence and you got your rebels and you were trying to drive Spain out of Mexico and what they called in Mexico they celebrate on the September 16th at night it's called El Grito because it's like the, the scream for independence so you, you scream at midnight almost like New Year's Viva Mexico so it's like El Grito of Viva Mexico of independence so it's I'm getting chills so so emotional. I just got chills <laughs> right now <Yeah.
0: laughs> like we like, both <laughs> Yeah. just
1: got chills at the same time yeah so it's really fun so you like celebrate on the 16th and you're usually off the next day because you know hangovers um but you just do el grito and you like scream viva mexico like on independence day so, so it, cool. it, yeah and obviously if you want all the details on independence day i do cover um Lorena vicario who was a very wealthy woman who went against all odds to go again and fight and become like an arms dealer to help all the um the resistance against Spain. Yes. So, yeah,
0: so I'll link that episode in the description so if anybody wants to listen to that first or next, it will be there for easy access, but we're going to have a good convo today. Yes. Andy and I are both Mexican. Yes. I am half Mexican, non-Spanish speaking. Andy <laughs> is
1: full Mexican, Spanish speaking. I was born in Guadalajara. Yeah, I've been living in the United States for over 20 years. Um, so I'm like la gringa. <laughs> um, to all my Mexican family, my my sisters and I were like las gringas. And then over here, I'm like the Mexican. Right. But I've always been told that I don't look Mexican enough. So I'm here like in like a gray area of like, but what am I then? Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: I've grown up my whole life being considered white, which Mm -hmm. I was absolutely raised in a white environment. So everybody is totally on board with like assuming that I am dark haired and dark skinned, but I get called, you know, white all the time, which whatever. But what I think is ironic about it is that I don't even speak Spanish. So like, sure, that makes a lot of sense. But you do fucking speak Spanish and you literally lived in Mexico and people still...
1: (laughs) think of you as not real Mexican. I've gone through the whole conversation like, but where are you from? And I was like, I'm Mexican. But where are your parents from? I was like, they're Mexican. But like, where are they from from? I was like, fucking Mexico. Do you need me to spell it for you? I was like, ma'am, like, what do you, what? I was like, just say it. Just say it. And they're like, you don't look Mexican. I was like, there we go. There we go.
0: Yeah. Great. So it's just weird. It's very strange. And it's like, well, then what qualifies as Mexican then? If you are Spanish speaking (laughs) and you were born from Mexico how are you not viewed as a real Mexican I mean I can right. get where it comes with me I'm only half and I don't even speak the language but I mean my grandparents were born in Mexico and my whole dad's side of the family is Mexican and Spanish speaking so where from my grandpa was from Chihuahua okay and I I can't remember where my grandmother was from. I literally texted my dad this before the episode to try and te- have him tell me and he didn't respond. He read it and ghosted. So- Damn dad. <laughs>
1: Damn dad, you should have come through. I know,
0: I was like going to come prepared with it and then I'm like, fuck. All right, well, I guess that's out of the picture.
1: Okay, well, we know Grandpa Chihuahua, okay. Um, Yeah,
0: and the funny thing with my grandparents is my grandpa came from, like, a working-class family. Uh, My grandmother didn't really, so they were kind of of different class systems, and they married, and they ended up living in – they married at 17, and they (laughs) ended up living in Torrance, California, which is Los Angeles County. My grandmother had three children before the age of 21 years old, and she intentionally chose to not raise any of her children spanish-speaking because she didn't want them to experience any kind of racism or classism while they grew up so my father who's full-blown mexican does not speak spanish therefore none of his children were raised to speak spanish either yeah and I, i listen i get it skull survival but how ironic is it that in my generation, people are like, well, you're not a real Mexican because you don't speak Spanish. And it's like, well, guess what, motherfucker? My grandparents intentionally didn't raise my dad to speak Spanish because they didn't want people like you to fucking be racist towards him.
1: Melissa, <laughs> What's the irony there? I've been called a not real Mexican because I guess I'm not a chola from deep south L.A. Right. Like in a gang. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, sharpie, and I'm, I don't I him. I was like, that's not real Mexican to me. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of my family has. Deep European roots. And that's why when people, you don't know, look Mexican, there's a lot of European in us. It is what yeah. it is. And, you know, like you've got your indigenous groups. And, oh, yeah. Can you hear that? Oh, uh, that good? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> got close that window. They're having a lo- good time, those kids. Good for them. <laughs> it's summer. But, but yeah, like it, there's a lot of European in our blood. So, you know, it's, we don't look indigenous. There's not enough indigenous Mexican in us um and so therefore when you have like the visualization of like what a mexican looks like you've got your indigenous people of dark hair they're very short they're very dark they're very hairy i was like we're not but when i trace back my roots we're mexican mm-hmm. and even though my grandfather lost a lot of like our family history during the revolution i don't really know much about my great-grandmother and everything i know my father my great-grandfather from my mom's side um lost a lot during the revolution um the mexican revolution and you know they went in living in po- poverty, et cetera. Like. We just – we're Mexican. And where are my cousins. They're in Mexico. And what do we do? when I go to Mexico, visit family, and we're Mexican. And, and that's where we are. Like, I have a blonde and blue-eyed cousin, but, like, it, we're Mexican. Yeah. And I don't know what to tell people when they're, like, you don't look Mexican. I was, like, I am so sorry. I left my burro and my sombrero and my mustache at home. Right. Like, am I supposed to look like a fucking quesadilla uh-huh. with beans yeah. in it? Like, uh-huh. I don't know. Like <laughs> – it's like telling telling somebody that has brown hair that like they're like not white enough like like it just yeah. makes no sense and wish it comes out of people so easily rolls out of their tongue I'm like I know I'm sorry I'm not your stereotypical TV Mexican but for the love of god like we all look different so yeah it's crazy yep. It is pretty crazy yeah I'm excited to see who you decided to cover. Yeah,
0: I know. And I'm very interested to see if this woman was on your list because I know you said you had a long list of Mexican women that you can cover. So I'm curious if this woman's on your list. I looked her up, I found her closely related to Mexican culture, and she's a rebel, and I love a rebel. Oh so, goodness. also, before I get into it, I'm not going to pronounce most things correctly. So, when I can't do the appropriate Spanish twang, I want you to correct me. I'll step up. Yeah, I'll step okay. up to the
1: blackout. Because I'm,
0: I'm going to say it, and then I want you to follow it up with the correct pronunciation. We're going to do our best. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, so I am covering today Juana Inez de la Cruz.
1: Yes. You okay. heard of her? Yeah, I've definitely heard of her. Awesome. Yes. Okay,
0: I'd never heard of her before, and I was reading her story, and I was like, oh shit, this woman's cool. Mm -hmm. So, for everybody out there listening, she was a 17th century Mexican poet, nun, and scholar who became one of the most influential writers of the Spanish
1: American Mm -hmm. colonial period. I almost covered her last time. Did you? Yes, I was between her and another one, and then the Lorena.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, this is great. I love it. So, uh, her full name. Give it to me. It's long.
1: <laughs> say it, say it, say Oana it.
0: Juana Inez de Asbaje y Ramirez de Santayana. Santana? <laughs> S-A-N-T-I-L-L-A-N-A. Santayana. Okay. Yeah. We'll so that. that's her full name. <laughs> she was born in sixteen fifty-one, San Miguel Napantla.
1: No. Napantla. No so the the TLA is usually like a sound. I know it's hard. It's not very podcast friendly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's near Mexico City. Yeah. If anybody is, needs, you know, the, know exactly where it's at. Mm. And during this time period, sixteen fifty one, Mexico had been a Spanish colony for over a century, and there was a very complex class system because of that. So her maternal grandparents her mother's grandparents were born in spain but her mother was born in mexico so she was considered criolla which yeah. basically meant that she was mexican born but a Spaniard mhm criolla okay perfect mhm so she was born out of wedlock and her father was a spanish military captain and he fled the scene as, she, as soon as she was born he's like nope not about that life out of here But luckily, her grandparents were pretty well off, so she was basically able to live a pretty good childhood living in their home with her mother and I think she had two older sisters. So they lived comfortably with the grandparents. And during her childhood, straight from the bat, she was obsessed with being educated. She wanted knowledge Intellect, she wanted to know all of the motherfucking things. So she was often found, like, hiding out in her grandfather's library, reading his books, which was something that was absolutely forbidden to young girls during this time period. Mm -hmm. She was doing it anyway. And it's rumored or reported that at three years old, she had followed one of her sisters to school snuck into the classroom, hid in the back so that she could listen in on what was happening at school so she could educate herself. At three? Three years old. Oh my God. And it's also rumored that at three, she was able to read and write in Latin. And then by her early adolescence, which I assume is like 10 or younger, she had already mastered philosophical debate, Latin, and the Aztec language, Nahuatl.
1: Nahuatl. (laughs) It, it's that, that TL sound, that Nahuatl. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's like. Oh, yeah, to there is an N-a- L at the end.
1: Nawatl, Yeah.
0: So, yeah, she could do all that shit at apparently like under the age of 10. So gifted. Very, very gifted. smart. Yeah. Very gifted and wanted to learn. So, she knew growing up, obviously, that education wasn't huge for women or young girls. Uh, And that it was pretty much – especially higher education was pretty much only available to men. So she had begged her mom to let her dress as a man in disguise so that she could attend university. Of course, her mother said absolutely fucking not. (laughs) But I think that just shows, like, this level of persistence of, like, I will literally go to the extent of dressing like a boy so that I can get accepted into school and just forever continue learning and educating myself. So cool. Like I, what I find interesting about that is like, especially in a time where women were empowered to learn, the fact that she just naturally wanted that, even knowing yeah. it was like not the norm. Like, where does that come from? How do you have that like passion so you, out of you nowhere? Have to be born
1: with that because that's what, you what I'm can saying. Easily be submissive to the rules, but she said, "Nah, I will. Oh, I just need to be a boy. I'll cross dress. <laughs> like, right? Cool." Yeah.
0: Yeah. So she clearly just naturally knew she was born with this drive of wanting to never stop learning. Mm -hmm. So as we already said, she was super gifted, knew shit from three to 10 years old. So news spread about how fucking smart this girl was. Like it spread to Mexico City. It spread all over the place. People were talking about her. It ended up getting the attention of the royal court in Mexico City. So when she was 16 years old, the viceroy... Antonio Sebastian de Toledo and his wife took her in as their lady in waiting. At first, I thought "lady in waiting" meant like you're a young girl that needs to be like married off to a guy. You're going <laughs> to be waiting to get married. <laughs> I looked that up. That's not at all what it means. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how rude! They bring her in to marry her off. No, it basically means you're like a personal assistant to yeah. people of higher class than you. Mm-hmm. So she was like the personal assistant to the royal court. So while she was living there at the royal court, she spent all of her extra time writing plays, poems, and particularly with subject matters that like outraged the court and like everybody that found them. (laughs) So her characters included uh, like brave and clever female women. And she ended up writing a poem which became one of her most famous poems ever, Hombres de cois, which translated to foolish men. Mm -hmm. Within this poem, she ends up accusing men of of sexist double standards and for them behaving illogically by criticizing women. So, I mean, this girl was probably under the age of 20 at this time. And she was writing poems that were calling out men for sexist behavior and basically saying, like, Stop criticizing women, because when you do, you look like a fucking idiot. So mm-hmm. this was very unusual.
1: <laughs> this was yes. not
0: normal. This was not something that girls were talking about or writing about, especially while living in the rural court. This was not a thing. So people were kind of, like, alarmed by this in general. And then her, she had another famous uh, play that she had written called Primero Sueño, which was First Dream. And it was more of like a personal play that kind of like recounted her own feelings about life. And it was all about the soul's quest for knowledge. So obviously what we know she loves, she wants to be educated. She wants to be smart. And then in addition to these two, which were her most famous pieces, she also wrote a variety of dramas, comedies. She was very talented in music and she studied music, like the theory of music and tuning. She also studied math and science. So. She just, it was everything, everything that she could get her hands on and learn about, she did. So while she was living in the royal court and they were recognizing, like, well, we already know she's smart as shit. And now she's writing all these, like, scandalous ass mm-hmm. plays and poems. <laughs> Let's test her fucking knowledge. Oh my so God. Uh, the Viceroy called in like up to 40 theologians jurists philosophers mathematicians and poets and created a big panel in the royal court of like the smartest people that he knew across multiple different categories of topics and they were all brought to test Juana's knowledge that's so petty Right? Well, the most petty part about it is they didn't tell her this was happening. So she had no time to prepare. She had no time to, like, brush up on her, like, knowledge of certain things. Right. They threw her right into this panel, and it was just, like, rapid fire questions. And it ranged from, like, a variety of things like science to literary subjects to math, like, everything. Well... She clearly fucking aced it.
1: Good for her. <laughs> She's I like, don't even bitch. know my name under pressure. So good for yeah. her. She's yeah. like,
0: bitch, you don't got nothing on me. Yes. So she aced this freaking test. And obviously everybody was blown away and astonished. And her genius or the rumors of her genius like spread like rapid fire. It just went off. And she built this like huge reputation of herself of being the super famous smart woman in the new world or in new spain because at the time spain was still spain yeah, yeah part of mexico so it was called new spain so um with this new status of her being queen of the fucking crop she became admired by everybody including lots of men what a surprise so she had a bunch of different marriage proposals coming in and she declined all of them good for her every yes. single one in fact she was so disgusted <laughs> by the thought of men marrying her of her being married not because she was anti man really or that she was disgusted by marriage she was quoted to say in a statement quote that she had total disinclination to marriage and that her wish was to have no fixed occupation which might curtail her freedom to study so her her thought process was like I'm a woman. People just want to get me married and have babies and sit at home. She's like, that's the one thing that's going to prevent me from being smart, from continuing to learn and to have an education. So marriage to her was a huge roadblock in her doing what she was passionate about. That's why she didn't want to get married. Her whole thought process was like, what can I do to avoid marriage but continue to learn?
1: So at this time...
0: <laughs> <laughs> there we're in like a very patriarchal society. There's no surprise there. And uh, as I said, women were expected to just get married and have babies. But there was one select handful group of women that were able to get around this. And that my friends were nuns.
1: There we <laughs> women go.
0: Women of the church were able <laughs> to avoid marriage, to continue living their lives independently to continue getting education, studying, doing all the things, and to also, like, not have real jobs.
1: <laughs> Rent's paid. You're there was no, like, no, like and, yeah.
0: work that was happening. There was no real, yeah. like, manual labor or, like, any, like, you know, nine to five going on.
1: got so, little, do your thing.
0: T- yeah. So she said, all right, I know what I'm going to do. And mm-hmm. so at 20 years old, she entered the Hieronymite convent of santa paula where she took on her new name sor juana Inez de la cruz Mm -hmm. and it turned out that convent life was pretty fucking legit (laughs) she got her own apartment to live alone nice she was able to have all of the time in the world to study and to write she had the opportunity to teach music and drama to the young girls that went to the santa paula school So she did all the things she wanted to do. And for years while she was at this convent, she was considered like a very prized member of the church. She wrote so many dramas, comedies, philosophy, math, all the same things. And she became a huge uh, proponent of music for the church. So she was like coordinating all the music and the church and all that. And during this whole time, she got a massive library of books. She was just like collecting all the books, you know, just ingesting all this stuff. And she had this massive library of books that just like kept building and building and building over these years. And because it was so huge and full of such great literature, she was visited by so many prominent scholars because they like knew of her library and they wanted to come in and talk to her and see what she had. But The problem was that again, this was a patriarchal society, she was a woman, she was way too fucking educated. Like it like word was spreading like this woman is way too smart, she has way too much of an interest in Education, like probably a little bit more than good. She was like
1: more, <laughs> absolutely, in, you know, 100%. she was a
0: little bit more heavily leaning towards studying than Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm sure she was a, a big advocate for Give the out, Lord, yeah. mm-hmm. but she was also, you know, knowing that with her status as a nun, she'd be able to continue learning, which was really her main priority. So it kind of got out in the world that like. We, you know, she's a little bit of a controversy. We're not sure how we feel about her. We don't know if, we, if she's a great nun or if she's a nun that's way too smart for what we planned nuns to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it kind of was just getting a little bit heated out in the church world. Then in 1690, a male bishop decided he was going to stir up a fuckload of drama. <sighs> so he basically stole a piece of writing that she had written, and it was private. This was something she had in her own personal belongings that he somehow got his hands on. And her writing was criticizing a 40-year-old religious sermon that had been like written by some prestigious priest at some time or another. He found this writing, and he published it that went out into the world, into the eyes of many, many people in Mexico, without her permission, obviously. So, uh, her critique basically was challenging the hierarchy of religious authority, which was not what nuns did. They were not out here looking at shit and saying, you know what, I'm not okay with the way this hierarchy is going in the religious world. He published it. So, people read it and they were like, I'm sorry, what? What did you say, freaking nun? Like, (laughs) what's your issue, you know? Like, they were, like, in shock that she had these opinions Mm-hmm. Um, And it was super controversial. And so the same guy that, like, published her writing then published his own, like, response to her writing, being Ugh. like, you know what, Sor as a woman, you should really be focusing on prayer rather than writing.
1: He mansplained basically what she was saying. Yeah, he
0: stole her own shit, published yeah. it as like she had published it and then like responded to it like fuck you for writing this when he was the one that put it out there to begin with
1: what and he dick. thought
0: he was all smart and getting one over on people that mm-hmm. he had like the first response to it you know i just, yeah, it's, it's,
1: <laughs> i have no words <laughs> right i'm so mad right we have a word we have a word in mexico for people like that we're going to call it culero <laughs> <laughs> I mean. this is a big culero they're <laughs> so like culo is technically like a, like a bad word for like ass or like butthole but like when you somebody's a culero you can be a culero can be like a pussy or just like motherfucker like it <laughs> translates to many things but it's just like culero yeah yep that was yeah. him mm-hmm. yeah so he then wrote this
0: rebuttal and was like fuck her or i can't believe you said this so then she responded she was like well fuck fuck, all right? Well, I mm-hmm. guess the, the word's out. And she basically responded by saying, quote, God would not have given women intellect if he did not want them to use it. Boom. Boom. <laughs> And in addition to that quote, which was phenomenal, Mm -hmm. she also had written things about how she was defending women's right to formal education. She also advocated to women's rights to serve as intellectual authorities, which is Mm -hmm. pretty much what she was challenging in that sermon is like, why aren't women part of this hierarchy here? Like. Why And she explains why. Her reasoning on why she thought that women should be part of the hierarchy of authority was because she knew that a lot of men in higher up positions were taking advantage of young girls and women. And she said hey, guess what? We could really be avoiding a lot of sexual assault, a lot of abuse, if there were more women that were in higher up positions. Let women like me be high authorities of education Mm -hmm. so that I can be the person that's teaching young girls so that there aren't 12 little girls in a room with one fucking creepy 30-year-old man
1: who thinks he's the fucking shit. I mean, today's 2021 and that shit still exists. So, I mean, this woman just an abnormally gifted woman from the beginning and just really breaking glass ceiling after glass ceiling before there was a glass ceiling.
0: Yeah. So, obviously, the whole thing turned out to a huge fucking blowout. Like, it was not good. <laughs> it yeah. was not good. It got out. Word spread. People were pissed. And... It basically opened up a can of worms. And so everybody started labeling her as this radical. She's this c- controversial figure. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be a woman of God, but she's so out of control. You know, the same stories we always hear.
1: I'm surprised they didn't call her a witch because I feel like. <laughs> right? That could have been like the, burner at the stake. Right. Like, it's, they, they could have used the word witch so quick on that. It like, <laughs> totally could have. Yeah. Yeah. So. All this news
0: spreads and it gets the attention of all these bishops all over the fucking country and they're yelling at her and saying all this shit. It finally hits the Archbishop of Mexico and he hears news about it and is, of course, not pleased. So he basically publicly strips her of her prestige and he forces her to sell all of her books and to give up writing forever. That's fucked up. So fucked up. He's like, fuck you. You can still be a nun, but like, you aren't as cool as we had talked about you being, and you can't have any books anymore, and you're not allowed to write.
1: Did she keep the money for the books that she sold? No. (laughs) Of course not.
0: Obviously, she's pissed. Like, first of all, censorship. Can we talk about that? Like, Mm -hmm. they have this holy woman in the church who all she's doing is educating herself and bringing Mm -hmm. up very thoughtful smart thoughts about how can we better educate other young girls so that they can be empowered and raised in the right environment. Every thought she has is on point. (laughs) (laughs) And like, the biggest response is you're a threat and you need to be censored. No one can hear this. So she was pissed, not happy. But at the same time, she was like, I'm not going to fucking leave the church. So she basically accepts her penance. That was her penance, was losing all her books and never being able to write again. And she had one last act of defiance. Love it. Give it to me. After they set all these mandated rules on you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you were in trouble, blah, blah, she renewed her vows under these new set of laws. And she signed the document, her vows, cut her hand, dripped with blood, and signed the document, yo, la pierre de todas, I, the worst of all women. La
1: peor de todas. Yes. I <laughs> was like, spell peer for me. <laughs> like, Yo la peor de todas, the worst of all of them. Yeah. That's
0: what that's what she wrote. Oh, that's badass, how she signed her badass, second yeah. second generation nunnery vows. That's what I'm surprised nobody called her a witch. Yeah, and she signed it herself. She's like, fine, sure, I'll take it. I'm the worst of all women. Cheers Horrible to her. human being. Mm-hmm. So She ended up giving up her entire library, which amounted to 4,000 books. Oh, my God. 4,000 books. And she also had to give up all of her musical instruments and all of her, like, scientific, like, theories that she'd written. Mm -hmm. And out of all of the stuff she got rid of and gave away, she had over 100 unpublished written pieces of work that she'd like written down somewhere but just hadn't been like published out into the world and out of over a hundred of those there were only like a handful of them that survived that over hurts. the years that hurts and those are kept as like a little booklet that's called the complete works of like Sorawana. Mm-hmm. um so that exists but uh she ended up obviously all this happened she was like what do i do now so she threw herself into charity work and she spent the remainder of her life just doing nun charity work and then she ended up dying on april 17th 1695 and she died while she was caring caring for the uh she died while caring for the sick nuns who had the plague oof so she probably oof. got the plague and then died
1: oof that's rough.
0: but a couple cool things about after she died. So today she stands as a national icon of Mexican yes, identity absolutely and she has been recognized as the first published feminist of the new world because she was the first person that publicly communicated that they believed women should have rights to education mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. Be- believe that women should be hierarchy of authority all the things. And this was in the 16-fucking-hundreds.
1: Like, that's yes. wild. Her story is so wild. <laughs> that's wild. So wild. My uncle had told me to cover her, and I thought about covering her. And, uh, yeah, I kept talking back and forth. I was like, this was, like, first feminist of Mexico. Yeah. Just mother of feminism in Mexico. A nun. Totally. Yeah. Just so incredibly smart. You know, she was
0: kind of this... Defiant person, and I mm-hmm. think it's interesting because I know Mexican culture, Catholicism, religion is a hey. big thing, and the irony is that she—I mean, she got into that world not because she was this defy the patriarchy, love of God. She want yeah. she knew that was her only ticket to be a woman that was allowed
1: to be educated. Absolutely, it wasn't. It wasn't for God. It was to fight the patriarchy because she just wanted to defy. Having to get married and become a wife because that's what you did back then. It was to just continue being the intellect that she was born to be. Because honestly, if you were that intelligent at 10 years old, you were born to be that. That was her destiny to be an intellect. So cool.
0: So cool. And then in 1993, the Sor Juana Inez Services for Abused Women was established to pay homage to her for her just love of women in general. Mm-hmm. And this uh, organization helps women survivors of domestic violence, which, you know, she would have absolutely advocated absolutely. for. And then a couple years later, in 1995, Sor Juana's name was inscribed in the gold on the Wall of Honor in the Mexican Congress. And nice. her picture was put on the 200 peso bill. Hell yeah. And then she also got the 1000 peso coin um, between 1988 to 1992 so ended up on the money which we all know means your big big hot shot
1: listen that's <laughs> one more woman that we right. have here right so. I know Mexico yeah so
0: cool mm-hmm. um, and then the other cool thing is that the town that she grew up in San Miguel
1: de Allende no
0: N- Napa-
1: Napan- <laughs> yes. Napantla
0: de yes that one <laughs> Um, They renamed the whole city like or no, no. So uh, the town where she grew up was renamed in her honor of Nepantla de Sor Oana and Nez de la Cruz. Yes. First of all, you said Napantla
1: very well the second time. Okay, yeah, you said it so good. <laughs>
0: <That's amazing. laughs> Nailed it. Nailed yeah. it
1: yeah Um, amazing so
0: that's so fucking cool and then always to end on a quote which i'm gonna tell you right now i read this like three times and was like that shit is heavy give me one of her best quotes which like this will end up she's an intellect she's got the good on my fucking
1: forehead she's got the good quotes.
0: quote i don't study to know more but to ignore less that hits heavy (laughs) isn't that deep that I don't study to know more. I just want to know less. Or ignore less. Ignore less. Ignore. Ignore is the key word there.
1: Because I live my life literally the opposite. I'm like, oh my gosh. Ignores this bliss. I'm so tired of knowing so many things. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is there anything else you knew about her that I didn't bring up?
1: No, that's about it. And like when I started reading about her and I started reading kind of like her history and I was like deep into another woman. Yeah. And even though I ended up somewhere yeah. else. Mm-hmm. Um, But yes, I was, I was just... Really into the fact that she, like, became a nun and it was that. And I just, like, knew she was, like, the feminist and, like, poetry and writing and uh-huh. literature. And, like, that was she was known for. Cool. All right. It was very good. So, oh, my gosh. So, my woman. I love that you cover somebody that was born in the 1600s because my woman – is still alive today and she's actually very young yeah so she's almost like so when you covered halima on the first Uh episode that we ever did together so she's like still so young right and so the re i i chose her after my sister recommended her and shout out to my nurse sister that i've mentioned so many times today what's her name we've yet to hear her name fernanda (laughs) hi fernanda maria fernanda (laughs) dominguez She's – at her birthday is actually the neck, the day after um, this episode airs. Oh, so, so cool. So I thought it would be great. I, like, I picked it. I was like, oh, my gosh, she's going to be so happy that I'm going to pick her. Um, she told me about her, and then I started researching, and I was like, I'm telling you, I was crying. So if I start getting tripped up, this woman just, like, moved me.
0: I've had enough black vodka that I might just cry with you.
1: I've been drinking, I feel like for a week straight and haven't stopped. Just, just a little bit drunk for a while. A little bit. I'm on vacation. Not really, but I am. Um so today I will be covering somebody very young, but like despite their young age, they have been getting lots of media attention and just have been groundbreaking in a way. Um I am covering an ultra marathoner. Her name is Lorena Ramirez. Lorena Ramirez. Um and you know, I just before I be, we begin, the difference between a marathoner and ultra marathoner. Um, so, is ultra marathon sometimes called an ultra distance, ultra running is any foot race longer than traditional marathon length of 42.195 kilometers, so 26 miles. Anything beyond 26 miles is an ultra marathon.
0: Okay, so under 26 miles is a regular marathon? 26 and under
1: is a marathon. So like and the New York marathon. Yeah. Is an is ultra, ultra marathon. marathon. Okay, I got it. And they can go from 50 kilometers to 100 to like crazy fucking distances. Like these people are special. But Okay,
0: <laughs> you know what? I just applied or signed up for my first three 5K. Yeah, 5K. Good for you. Then I'm going to do you. in November. And that's three miles. And I'm struggling.
1: The only time you'll see me running is because <laughs> someone's chasing me and I'm running for my life. I don't run. I just but don't. I, like I don't like having it. to train
0: for three miles. You and have that's to. That's like a real thing.
1: You have to. It's hard. I walked a five k. I walked a five k, and I was like, "This sucks." <laughs> so.
0: I mean, technically, I might end up walking portions of it, but yeah. I'm gonna Heads train to try to and run people. the whole thing. Yeah.
1: Good for you, okay. good for you. Um, I don't run. My excuse is that I have bad knees, but quite frankly, I just don't like it. There's no, there's no sports bra good enough that can convince me to run.
0: Running's the worst thing on
1: earth. Yeah, absolutely. I get, I have to be chased. But anyways, <laughs> let's get into my woman, Lorena Ramirez. Um, she was born in 1995, so make sure I want to say like 26, 27 t- today. Um, she was born and has habitually recited locally in Sienega de Norahuachi in. I'm really glad you told me this, Chihuahua, Mexico, from where your yes. grandfather's from. Yes, Yay. Um, yes. So when you told me, I got really happy. So for those who don't know, uh, Chihuahua is in northwestern Mexico. So it's a very m- m- mountainy region um, of northern Mexico. Lorena is a Tarahumara, or also called Raramuri. Um, they're a group of indigenous people living in Chihuahua. Raramuri means light feet, or those who run fast. Lorena grew up poor and pretty secluded in the mountains um, of Chihuahua with her family. Uh, she has nine siblings, and her father and brother had to walk five hours to go to school
0: whoa they five, walked they five walked hours five
1: hours to go to school they lived in a Jewish, really secluded area there's no neighbors there's nothing so they just really only hung out with themselves um the taramara i know with indigenous people in here in the united states you see them in tribes and that's what you think of indigenous people you think tribes but really um the taramara indigenous people they just really live secluded they just sort of have like their area of living and they just they're farmers they have cattle etc so with that said the women um didn't get an education so lorena her sisters her mother never got an education so her father her brothers they speak spanish and they can read and write but lorena cannot so she speaks oh, wow. the not na- the native taramara language so she just stayed behind taking care of the animals in the farm to just provide for the family so Lorena comes from a family of runners being Tarahumara. So her grandfather, her father, her brothers all runners, and when they're it's no surprise because as of decades, um decades ago, um physiological tests found out that when the taromara or the ramuri run long distances, their blood pressure actually falls and their heart rate remains a steady 130 beats per minute. So they are physically made. To walk and run long distance. So their body sort of almost creates this endurance for them to be able to run long distance. Wait, why
0: is that? Because of the climate of which they live in?
1: it's, it's, it's It's their native... Like, Physiological <laughs> DNA.
0: Whoa. That's the study
1: shows because the Tarahumara, the ramuri, which it means light feet or those who run uh-huh. fast are known to be runners, known to be long distance walkers and runners. Whoa. So they did physical studies decades ago to figure out why. And it's there there's actual physical component to them, almost like how Michael Phelps swims really fast because he's longer. Mm-hmm. The Tarahumara have this this in them. So Whoa. there's like a study that came about okay. that. Yeah. So over the years, the Taramata runners have splashed across the ultra marathon scene. Um, they have not been widely recognized, but they have been starting to run actual ultramarathons. In 1993, the year that Lorena was born, they emerged from Copper Canyon to dominate Colorado's high-altitude Leadville Trail. 100, so it's 100 kilometers that they had to run. And that's when they first started competing and started making headway, um, becoming stronger as the race progressed because they are long-distance runners. Um, Their history and running techniques become famous after this author, Christopher McDougall, wrote a book about them called Born to Run. So the Taramara kind of went under... Notice They were like sort of running these marathons, these ultra marathons, and nobody really was noticing them, Um, perhaps because they were not winning them, right? So they're like, it, who, who cares? And this man came came out with this book called Born to Run. He went to the Taramaro regions in Chihuahua and started running with them and wrote a whole book about them. My sister, shout out to my sister again. <laughs> <laughs> my little sister's going to get so jealous. We love you too, Ali. Um <laughs> um she told me about it she's like it's one of the best books if you're a runner to read and so I, i'm gonna give it a read it, it just sounds fantastic so that's he p- kind of put the Taraomara runners on the map so lorena joined her father and brothers to run in marathons marathons and she ran her first 10k at the age of 17 and she has a very shy demeanor. In most interviews, in most photographs, you see her very shy. She doesn't smile. She just kind of keeps to herself. But she's a very, her brother said she's a very determined runner. So in April 2017, she was only 22 years old. Ramirez, Lorena, won the Ultra Trail Cerro Rojo, a 50k in Puebla, in Mexico, she defeated over 500 runners from 12 different countries. And here's the kick about Lorena, what made her gain massive headlines. She ran it without wearing any professional gear. She actually ran 50K. 50K is about 32 miles. She ran in a traditional Raramuri skirt and guaraches, which are sandals made out of recycled rubber. What? She won it in sandals and a dress.
0: Did she like intentionally wear those things? Like what what what's the like premise behind that?
1: <laughs> Melissa, when I say she grew up poor, it's the the level of poverty is they made their own skirts and the Raramuri, the Taramara, they have their own way of dressing. So they have very beautiful, very bright dresses with a lot of ruffles and these skirts and these tops. And so she had no other shoes. She grew up wearing these guaraches, these sandals and walking 10 k 10 kilometers to just go get food or you know bring the cattle um it's also a way of hunting But you like they call it like um god i forgot the word but like they just basically chase animals until they get tired because they outrun the animals and they get tired and that's how they hunt so they wear these shoes these sandals these huaraches and that's what she just knew so when the tarahumaras most of them run barefoot through rocks and and all these like gravel shit or with their sandals so she ran it in a skirt and with sandals without any professional gear out of 500 runners with all their professional gear from 12 different countries and she came first place in the women's division that is insane insane so not long after that she became the first Mara woman to compete in a european ultra with her inaugural attempt at the Blue Trail, the second highest race in Europe, she had never traveled outside of Mexico nor seen the ocean. So she's in Europe running. And then just um, just like halfway through, she was in Mount Tiede, the tallest peak in Spain. Her knees gave, gave out because they hurt too much. So she dropped out of that race in Spain. But this was the first time she ever traveled out of the M- Mexico. And she had seen the ocean. Whoa. Well, she's still running in the sandals? Yeah. Oh, wait. It gets better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So a year later after she had to drop out in in 2018 because her knees hurt, she's like decided to get back on there. She was the second woman to cross the line in that 100K, that's 62 miles, ultra marathon of Los Cañones in her home state in Chihuahua. She ran it in 12 hours and 44 minutes.
0: Wait, how long was this?
1: Sixty-two miles. Oh my god! One hundred k. You're running a five k. I'm running a five k. You're running she a hundred A hundred k in 62 sandals. Sixty-two miles. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Basically, from where I live to get to Brooklyn, it's like three miles, and I would never walk to Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Wait. Quick question.
0: Yeah. So, if she was in all these races, so. These races, I'm guessing, aren't, like, sponsored or are other athletes that she's competing against, like, big league people or, like, who's racing in this? Because I would assume at this
1: level people would have some kind of sponsorship, like mm-hmm. certain people, like Nike, so, whoever. So with cer- with marathons, you either pay and raise money to yeah. enter, uh-huh. enter a lottery like the New York Marathon or the Boston Marathon, you also have to enter a lottery or get invited to run. Oh. After she made headways the first time that she won that 50K and she was in the podium in skirts, people started getting attention of Lorena and just, like, who she was. So they started inviting her to run everywhere across the world, including Japan. Wow. They're inviting her to run because she's covering media attention. So, like, despite her not even being able to read or write, there's people calling out her name, taking photos with her this poor girl's so shy she doesn't even smile in photos they're asking yeah. her for um they're asking her for an autograph and she can barely write her name because oh she had God. never how her read or write yeah. she became a national sensation after a photo of her on the podium was like in a Facebook group and it just caused it went it went viral it went viral and in case it like caught national media attention she was only 22 years old when she first won And she said in an interview, I started off slow because she's not fast. She actually doesn't thrive in shorter races because she's not fast. She has endurance. She has a Uh taramara blood that gives her endurance for long distance. So when people start getting tired, Tired. that's when she can surpass them. Oh, that's so crazy. Yes. So she actually places better in ultra marathons versus a regular marathon or a shorter race.
0: Whoa. That's such a concept. Yes.
1: yes. She started getting such national media attention. She's been covered by the BBC and Vogue. Mexico did a beautiful spread on her. There's beautiful photos of her on the internet. And then most recently, um, Netflix created a 30-minute short documentary following her life and what it was like to be a runner. And it's on Netflix and it's absolutely beautiful. And they're interviewing. She's talking in her native language. They just show where she's running. And this like mountains are deeper than like the Grand Canyon. Just going to get food and just running with her family.
0: Oh, my God. I just looked up a picture of her.
1: Stunning, right? (laughs) Yeah. Stunning. And I cried so much. I mean, that's
0: so uh,
1: crazy. Her clothes and her mother – like, her and her mother made her clothes and she has – her skirt and she said she's like sometimes I do wear shorts underneath my uh skirt but people expect me not to run in a skirt so I will always run in my skirt and I feel comfortable
0: she's I'm looking at a photo of her literally running in like a headscarf and an entire like ankle length dress with
1: flats mm-hmm. yeah those are her huaraches oh my god yeah. So brands such as Nike started sending her sneakers and she has a ton of sneakers. And she, when she got them, she said, um, I'm probably not going to wear them because usually the people that wear them are usually behind me. <laughs> She's like, why would, I wear- yes. <laughs> yeah. why would I wear these? They lose. Boom, bitch.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nike, better wake up. Got to start making some fucking running sandals. Yes,
1: I'm running huaraches oh, for Lorena. Yeah. My
0: God.
1: And she said it feels, um, she's tried them, obviously, and she's like, it doesn't feel natural to me. And even one time she had to run in the rain and almost got hypothermia in her, in her feet because of how cold she was. But she finished in her sandals.
0: I'm in a pouring at the, like, rain, craziest photos right now. Like yeah. I'm
1: jaw dropped. <laughs> I'll I'll send you a link, and you can link them also in the in the in the oh notes. There's a there's a 12 God. minute YouTube video of her, and I, I cried three times. I watched that video three times, and I cried. The Netflix documentary is out, and it's 30 minutes, and it's beautiful, and she just. You know, it, an indigenous woman just running and she just, there's no frills. She has sometimes a tiny stick and a little water bottle. She, and, you know, most people carry snacks yeah. and water bottles and hydration vests. And she says, I'll just try to get whatever catch on the way, you know. And you see people cheering her and they're like, you go, Lorena, you got this. And she's running and and she says that she usually feels pain in the longer marathons, but she can live through it and she just feels good running.
0: So wild.
1: Yeah. So and, wild. Uh, so wild. And despite gaining so much media and attention, and you do win money if you do win first. It is very small amount of money, about six thousand pesos. I'd say it's probably like three hundred dollars, so a little bit less. But she still continues to live a humble life in the mountains with her family. She still tends to the cattle and makes her own clothes with her mother. The taro marisoli, they eat Pinole, which is this like corn meal type of drink i want to say but it's almost they use it almost like a protein powder so they they do it for energy so that's what to help them they just she still lives her traditional ways doesn't speak any spanish and her brothers just take care of her and her brother and then every ask her, was like would you move to another state now that you're still famous she's like no i would miss home too much yeah oh yeah. my
0: god what wild reality yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah. So Lorena doesn't have much of a history, but what I found absolutely incredible that she, against all, well, she said, this isn't a nature. My father did it. My grandfather did it. My brothers did it. I'm going to go ahead and do it. And she's continuing to win and place really high in all her ultra marathons. She says that her dream is to go to Mont Blanc and run there. Um, I think, um, one of the, she's trying to strive for a marathon that's 166 kilometers. So that's her next big victory. So right now, at 26 years old, she's still continuing to run in her sandals, in her dress. So she, lots. even though Nike and people are
0: giving her gifts, she's like, nah, I'm sticking no. to the roots and I'm doing what I know."
1: Yes, but you know what I find fucked up, and and I read about this like that. Amara is still like kind of like under, so nobody's sponsoring her. They're like gifting her things, just giving her things. Yeah. So she is living in this small home. In the mountains with no plumbing, and she has a million medals and all these Nike shoes that live in a trash bag for her because she just doesn't use them. And she said she would love to be sponsored once, so because once you are sponsored, you make money, and this would be a great way for her and her family to almost like elevate themselves. But she's not sponsored Nike; they just send her gifts of shoes and they because. Th- the whole gimmick as she's running on sandals, but they're like, yeah. what if she ran in my sneakers next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No and, one cares about that. Yeah, and there is a photograph of Lorena running in actual sneakers, and she says she didn't like it and she did not place well. Yeah. So she said the people that are running sneakers are usually place behind me, so she's gonna continue running in her sneakers, and they run through through trails. They're they're not running through just the pavement; they're running through trails. So she's running through rocks up and down mountains, and She's in a skirt I'm literally
0: looking at a photo of her in an orange gown How hopping is rocks. That gown? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She's jumping like cliff rocks. Yeah. Okay, can we like raise money for her? I, Marilisa, I would
1: love to. <laughs> God. I would I'm like love to.
0: how can we get like a thing going where everybody can contribute a little bit of money and we can help her, like whatever the hell she's got to. what Whatever she needs
1: for. Yeah, she, here's money. Like what I do what you need what with, the whether fuck? you look. Yeah. This is crazy. And she's young, you can see, and <laughs> one of the things that I've noticed, you know, she has a really shy demeanor. Every time she smiles, she would look down. And it's very much traditional in just like, you know, women don't go to school. None of her sisters, none of her, her mom, they don't speak English. I mean, I'm sorry. They don't speak Spanish. They don't write. They don't read. They don't speak Spanish? They don't speak Spanish. They they speak the na- oh. native language of Tarahumara.
0: Okay. Because so they
1: never went to school.
0: How – I don't know if you know this, but, like, how different are those languages? Like, are they so drastic? Like, are they extremely polar opposite languages or do they have, like, certain, like, vocabulary that might tie in or,
1: like – intersect. So I know that Mexican Spanish has a lot of roots in Nahuatl, which is like the Aztec native tongue. Yeah, what I was just talking about in my last story. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um Taramara when she was when I was looking at all her interview videos, I couldn't really pick up any words she was saying okay. except for numbers. Okay. So it is drastically different and I mean she also talks in a very low demeanor and low voice but it doesn't yeah. enunciate so it, it just it is very different. Her brother does speak Spanish and is always around. She said okay. that she just like wants to stick around being with her brother just sort of like a companion and he runs with her but she's the start of the show. Yeah.
0: Whoa. Yeah. This is so wild. Yeah like i have so many thoughts so many feelings one thing i'm wondering is like i've never heard of her before Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that i knew everything in the world (laughs) i just (laughs) have never come across her before how did did your sister come across this story or did you know of her before your sister introduced her
1: like how did i did how did your sister come into this you know I did not. My sister is a runner. She likes oh, to run. Is she? She's run some some small marathons. I think she did okay. a triathlon. She's never okay. done an ultra marathon or a long long yeah. distance runs, but she likes to run. She's there. Got it. The most athletic, I want to say, out of all of us. <laughs> um, and she heard she read this book about it. That I'm a reader, and then she came across this Netflix documentary.
0: Wow! And
1: actually, when she mentioned her to me, my aunt said, "Oh." very current she's very current and at first I sort of dismissed her because I'm like she's too young yeah But when I really dip because there's really not much else about her but she's been covered like I said there's profiles about her on REI Vogue Mexico the BBC there's Netflix um um the very famous Mexican actor he's been on I don't know like what American thinks he's done Gael Garcia Bernal he's the one that um executive produced this very short documentary like 30 minutes but there is a spotlight on her now because she's starting, she's winning things and, yeah. and she's continuing. She's been invited to across the world. A woman that didn't even go to school is now traveling to Spain to compete in ultra marathons where people prepare for, for years. They train yeah. for years. You're training for your 5K. <laughs> You're training for your 5K and for her, naturally, in her blood. Um, and like I said, this guy um, was about Christopher Mac- McDougall said in Born to Run actually went to Mexico and spent time with the Taramanas and, like, learn about them and sort of put them on the map because people didn't really, like, we know about the Taramanas and you kind of know in Mexico there's, like, all these indigenous groups, right? But, like, I had no idea they were long-distance runners and that they knew how to run barefoot or in sandals. And funny enough, Zach Efron's brother, his name's Dylan. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Zach oh, Efron <laughs> has a brother who is equally pretty on the face. Wait, what's his name? Uh, I got to look him up. Dylan Efron. He's actually great. Um, he's a great follow on Instagram because he's a very active dude. Lips in is California. He? And, Ooh, Yeah. He's very cute. He's very cute. I think
0: I prefer him to Zach, actually.
1: <laughs> he's a little bit taller, too. <laughs> Um, So Dylan Efren actually spent some time in Mexico while I was following him and he actually spent some time with the Tarahumaras learning how to run either barefoot or with sandals on and just kind of like training because he's a very athletic dude and he does rock climbing and surfing. He does like the ice cold waters, like just a very nature active dude. And so he spent some time with the Tarahumaras running in the hills of Chihuahua.
0: That is wild.
1: The whole thing has me, like, starstruck. Yeah. I, I, that's why I was, like, crying so much because I'm like, this is a beautiful story of a woman that really – there's nothing – she didn't go to school. She didn't go to school, right? So it's like there's – what else is there for her? Well, she her? doesn't
0: – she isn't she, – you know, when you
1: hear about athletes – You hear about people training as if they were four years old,
0: you know? Like they've been at the fucking with the instructors and we're paying millions of dollars and you don't go to school, you're homeschooled now, so you can be this athlete. Like Mm -hmm. the norm is in our society is when we think of an athlete, somebody that's trained their whole lives, she's been alone running in the fucking cliffs of Mexico, like what?
1: Yeah, sandals. It's it's in her family, it's in her nature and it's in her blood, but the men always competed. No, never like but the, the, men compete, the men competed and then she decided to compete and it's just paved the way for women to be put on the map. And the fact that she won is when people asked said they said, oh, because they're like, yeah, we see a Tarahumara here and there, are like some dude running in sandals and shorts. But then here's this girl in sandals and a dress and she won. And they're like, excuse me, what? And you see a photo of her in her first race when she was 17 up in the podium. And she's looking down. She doesn't look happy because that's how her demeanor has always been. Yeah.
0: I mean, she's probably uncomfortable being in a spotlight where yeah. they're so remote and isolated in the world that they live in. To so be on a podium around other
1: people of different cultures and countries, you're freaked, you know? Yeah and i love that she said she said i will love to continue running as long as my body is able and I, the day that i stop running is when my body gives out oh my God. so for her it's just an out natural way of being it's not she doesn't have that competitive demeanor of like i must win for money i must win for medals is is something that comes natural to her and and she's loving it isn't she just amazing? And I'm like, Yes.
0: Like, I'm literally in my brain right now thinking of, like, how can I create a campaign for us to raise money for this girl?
1: Melissa, <laughs> if you tell me we're going to go to Chihuahua to meet oh God, Lorena. let's go. Yes. I mean, I have to fix my ankle because I can't even walk right now. Let alone just <laughs> –
0: well, yeah. it would have to be – we would have to do an interview where you would have to communicate with the brother who was communicating to her, and you'd have to keep going back and forth. And yeah. I just sit there confused because I don't know what the fuck anybody's saying. We're also um, going to get you
1: some Spanish <laughs> lessons. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to teach you. Oh, my God. How crazy. Right. So – I know a lot of people. I actually went. I worked with someone who was an ultra marathoner, and I want to know. Like, I wonder if they know about them. I they know about Lorena? And they know about this? Probably. I would say no. No, and I actually looked up ultra marathoner like records of women and. Lorena's not in there. There's no Taramara women. And I'm wondering, is it because the records are not broken? Is it record for the specific race? Because they did say that she broke some records with her first race, of the 12 hours and 44 minute race. So I, I, I would love for her to just be more put in the map and recognized. Yeah. Internationally. But she's getting that media attention. I think she's slowly I and mean, she's still so young. She's only 26 years old. So...
0: I think it's one of those things where it's, like, she can get a lot of media attention because she's so different from the norm. Like, that in itself is always going to attract people and be like, oh, we're so interested. But what needs to happen is, like, something or somebody to, like, actually be like, we're going to get you to the finish line in bigger capacities than just a magazine cover. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Nike – somebody needs to be, like, sponsoring this girl. <laughs> like, how is she not – I mean, I just know they're sitting her I fucking her shoes, family, but, like
1: – I think her family – you're right. Like, beyond sneakers, I think her family does deserve a home with plumbing. That'd be great.
0: Right. The bare minimum.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think first steps would be great to go meet her and sit down with her and talk and see how she needs help and just figure it out. I – I will do my due diligence, Melissa, to figure out how we can help her out. 2022 one, yeah. trip to Chihuahua. Woo. I've never been, so that'd be great. <laughs>
0: um, Literally, my thoughts are, who can I reach out on her team, which is like her brother? When do me and Andy get to go to Mexico? <laughs> when
1: can I start building the GoFundMe? Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like I read, like for interviews, we would reach out to her brother, like reception sport. He has a cell phone, but it's like such poor reception, they can barely yeah. get through to him. So, well, what we got to do is reach out to Dylan Efren. We're gonna, <laughs>
0: okay. he has the
1: resources on the money because he also like helps film and he's like good with filmography and all this stuff. He, okay, I'll reach so, yeah. out to Dylan so, Efren. Dylan, he's, he lives in your state. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me, all right.
0: Let me draft up a responsible email. I'll send it to him tonight.
1: Dear Dylan Efron, <laughs> if you and your brother, because my mom wants me to marry well, Zach Efron. Well,
0: also, uh, Zach Efron has, have you seen his show where he yes. goes to all over the world?
1: Of course. I watched it with my mom's mom. Mama. I was like, I want you to marry Zac Efron. I was like, Mommy, too. Me, too. <laughs> Dude, I, I liked that show. I loved it. The season two's coming out soon. Oh, is I it? I absolutely loved it. He went to Iceland. Oh I told my mom, he's like, are you going to oh do what did? Zac Efron did? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We've done it. We've a really done night. it. A fucking night. What we've, a fucking night. We've had an evening. Yeah. We've had an evening. Yeah. Covered a woman from the 16th century and a woman from this century. Like, it's crazy. What fucking great group of women
0: did cover for mexican independence day
1: i mean me- mexican women are badass there's so many they're like honestly like my when i asked i thought i would get like two to three and i was like this list is so long we have everything we have actresses and activists revolutionary women fighters from as far as the 16th century to today runners everything photographers artists i'm like fuck yeah man Fuck yeah. I was like, we got to put them on the map beyond Frida Kahlo, who's amazing. We've got to let people know that Mexican women are badass. Dude, I, I feel like I got to call Zac Efron's
0: brother. Yeah. Not Nike, because, like, fuck them. I need to find a friendly, yeah, like, different, like, a female-backed brand. Like, who's our Ooh. girl-backed shoe brand? But, like, fuck shoes. Just, like, even an outfit. Like,
1: it doesn't even... Oh, my gosh, yes. I have one. It's called,
0: um... Girlfriend Collective? Yeah, um, we should. T- All right, yes. Zach, our friend's brother, girlfriend collective. I'm gonna send him an email. I'm gonna link the episode in. Be like, at yeah. this point in the episode, you can hear the story. We're starting a campaign. Who's in? Also, if you want to support the podcast, that's great. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and if you want a sponsor, we love. I'm girlfriend by the collective. way, I'm running a 3K yeah.
0: in November. <laughs>
1: I love, I love their leggings Dude, i do i, do I never their had leggings. their
0: leggings but i got one of their bras in a stitch right. fix and it was amazing a beautiful brand i love their stuff okay literally i'm gonna send the campaign email i'm just like gonna copy you so love. please, <laughs> say, please <laughs> <say>. <laughs> I mean. all right uh, thanks guys oh, this that's, is it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you got from us three hours later
1: that's yeah, it that's it yeah
0: Thank you guys so much for tuning into that amazing episode featuring some iconic Mexican women. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And if you can think of two people that would really, really enjoy learning about these women and their amazing inspirational lives, send this podcast episode to them. Word of mouth recommendations is one of the best ways that you can support this show And it helps us find people out there in the world that don't know we exist but would really like to join the party. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player so you can receive new episodes the moment that they drop. And if you haven't yet, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Your super kind words and stars make a huge impact in the success and the future of this podcast. Alright guys, thank you again for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye!